welcome to this episode of A Couple Takes on MS. Hi, I'm Dan Digman. And hi, it's me, Jennifer Digman. And we're A Couple Takes on MS. I'm walking. I'm rolling. But together, we're moving forward. It's, it's too late. For, I mean, my God, we're already a month into the new year. So it's just like, wow, happy. You, you made it through the first month of 2024. How do you feel like that? A million bucks there, dude? I giggle because I was at my Weight Watcher meeting this past weekend. And someone made the point that mm, January is mm. the Monday of the year. It's a month nice. full of Mondays, and I don't know if it's just because we live in Michigan or because the whole world is feeling the same way, that just January is the longest month. So, yes, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy, happy, um, man, that you think about that, That's that it's just like, wow. I mean, you think if you had like a dozen eggs, and you had one one egg is gone. Can you imagine? All you have to do is eleven more of these, and you'll be through the year. I'm not like wishing the year away, but my gosh, I mean, does it seem like the it's like the month month went quickly, but it took forever. I think that's how life has been since the <laughs> pandemic, and I'm sure there are people out there nodding their heads that yes, this takes forever. But thankfully, we're here. It's the end of the month. And uh, yay. Yay. Well, what we're, what we're going to talk about today in terms of um, looking at things that evolve and stuff, it's the big question is, and this is all in hypotheticals, um, but a question of, is your MS in the driver's seat of your relationship or is it in the trunk? And this, I mean, we've been together for yeah, 22, three years. Oh, yeah, time flies, right, dude? It Why does. do I keep calling you dude? I, I don't know, but that's okay, <laughs> sweet. Um, but but it's it's this was a story that you had told me back when we were still we were dating and you first you you talked about this. And it's and it's been profound in that obviously I still remember it, but we want to share it with everybody out there in listener land, just in terms of where are you? And so 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 remind me and tell everybody else about this story that helped you when you were first diagnosed. I was diagnosed back in 1997, and I was living in Flint and there was a support group that was meeting downtown and we had a speaker that day a counselor was helping us get in touch with the feelings and the emotions that go along with the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis and he talked about the fact that when you first get diagnosed with MS it feels like multiple sclerosis maybe driving the ship or maybe a month or two after when you get your bearings a little bit on your diagnosis your multiple sclerosis is sitting shotgun and it's just kind of keeping you company but if you work on your your self-care and your management of the disease 
you can get MS in the back seat. And then what would be amazing and Dr. Doug was his hope was that we would be able to lock MS in the trunk so that we would just be driving and controlling our own course. And so that was advice that I got whew, 26 years ago, and I still think about it. And I told you, and you were impressed by it. And obviously then I'm still thinking about it. And I think it's very important for people that are newly diagnosed, right? And I remember vividly how I felt and how blindsided and scared I was when I was diagnosed. But that was something that I could cling on to. The idea that someday I would be able to put this monster in the trunk. And there are days when, yes, MS is in the trunk and everything is good. But then today, I think it's ironic <laughs> that you wanted to talk about this today. Because today I went to my exercise class and it's January and it's a month full of Mondays. <laughs> and I'm tired. And I feel like I am a prisoner in the back seat. And MS is a crazy beast in the front seat just driving me. I guess it's better than MS being driving over me. I'm on the ground or something. But right now I feel I'm a little bit of a backseat prisoner of multiple sclerosis. How about you, mister? You've been diagnosed for a while. Well, and just as where I think that's kind of what got me thinking about this is just that come Valentine's Day, that will mark, I I mean, truly 20, I always, the math always messes me up, but just um, because it was Valentine's Day of 2000 that I was formally diagnosed. And so is that 24, 25? I mean, so yeah, I will be into my 25th year. And so it is just a question of where is MS in our in my relationship with the disease right now, and it's it's profound. I think on some levels, I feel like it's it's regularly a front and riding shotgun. I think that's I guess what I'm what I'm wondering for you, and I I mean we'll come back to me, but when when Doctor Doug told you about this some 26 years ago where was ms at that point in your relationship in your diagnosis being newly diagnosed you hear this story where was where was ms at that point in time boy uh, a little little jenny you a little here. jenny you was feeling that MS was kind of kind of like a driver coming at you yeah with their brights on ooh and you just can't see you you you're just you're just like stop you know you want to flash your lights and say turn your brights <laughs> off i can't see anything and that's how i felt when i was first diagnosed with multiple sclerosis I was very, I was very, like I said, blindsided. Mm-hmm. But then I met the women in my support group um, back in Flint all those years ago, those those precious women. 
and they helped me and they helped, they welcomed my family into the support group meetings and that helped me get some more control. And, and so I would say it took a good six, nine months before I figured it out. And, and I also, I think that's the fun thing about youth is you're so carefree and you're so fearless. Mm-hmm. And so I was guns blazing. I wanted to continue working. I wanted to continue living on my own. And I thought, oh, I'll just take some steroids and that'll make everything well, that better. That makes everything better. Everything better. So, boy, that, that's a lot of emotions. But I think now that you and I roll most times where MS is kind of in the back seat, good days it's in the trunk. But like I said, there are days when it's in the front seat driving driving the driving the car how about you you know i think really when i was newly diagnosed it's almost like i felt would you believe it's almost like i felt more in control then than i do right now oh crazy right crazy yeah or or is it because Obviously, in control, meaning it was, um, you know, it was riding shotgun. Um, And I I think eventually, you know, over time, I got it into the back seat, into the trunk. And then it was like, you know, there was always something there. It would be like banging on the trunk, saying, let me out, let me out, you know. And meanwhile, as I'm trying to go to a, a wooded area with a shovel to bury it in in the ground like they do in the movies, right? Right. Um, but I just think that um, over time, you just, I'm not as energetic as I used to be. Um, and so I don't, it's like at what point are you giving MS the credit of saying that this is in control or maybe it's maybe it's still in there? But it's it's kind of like I keep opening the trunk to see if it's still there, and it's kind of like when you're baking, and you 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 want you want to see you, know, you know, keep watching checking. Hell's Kitchen, and and it's like lowering the heat in the oven. Mm-hmm. I keep checking, and so it's like you know MS is at bay, but it's almost like when you're not hearing it knock, you just want to do something to check and make sure it's still there. I understand. That, I mean, and so then, but I think there's just been enough times then that you keep peeking in the trunk that it's it's got its hand outside the trunk so it's able to sneak in or it's like a hatchback and it's been able to it's figured out how to put the back seat down and ease its way back into the general population of the car that's that's scary well it is it is scary or just to where yeah it's just like or or maybe it's because um you're coming up i'm coming up on the you know 24 years and you're just thinking God, did I really make it this long? And and I don't know, if, or maybe it's just getting older where you just feel like the the next shoe is going to drop because you've you you've enjoyed this too long and it's coming back to bite you eventually. I think that's something that we have to be honest about. Both of us, you know, two have been diagnosed. You were twenty six. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. You were diagnosed. I was twenty three. Mm-hmm. 
I have now lived longer with the disease than I lived without it. And you wow. are closely, closely following I, me. I'm, yeah, it's like four years off. And me. so we have that reality, and then we're just older. You know, you're pushing 50. And so we don't have the energy that we had when we were 23. But the, the landscape of multiple sclerosis, when we were diagnosed, there were only three drugs. Mm-hmm three disease-modifying medications that we could take. And now there's over 20. I think there, yeah, there's, I think there's over 25. And so there's so many drugs to try. And, you know, I think, I know I'm more conscious of MS right now, as I imagine you are, because we are seeing our neurologist in, a, in not even two months. Yeah. We have not seen our doctor in person since before 2020, so 2019. We've seen her virtual visits, but she will actually see us in person and she will watch you walk and she will look at my hands. And and that's an examination from a doctor that we respect, but we also you know, we've gone to support group meetings and we've talked to people in our community. We're going to ask about one of those 25 new drugs, certainly. You know, we've talked about V and we and just different medications, different therapies. So MS right now, it can be in the trunk, but it's like you said, it's creeping up towards the front scene especially knowing that we will see the neurologist. Do you think, I guess then you you had said uh, um, earlier, just as far as like, it was about like six, nine months once you felt it was under control um, with MS and getting it in the backseat, getting it into the trunk. Since you were diagnosed, have you ever felt that it, you had had it at bay in the drunk in the trunk for I don't want to say for years, but for an extended period of time. My course was aggressive. Mm. I know when I was first diagnosed, I went there were ABC drugs, and I went through all three of the ABCs. So I can say, looking back, oh, nine months, I felt confident. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had to change drugs, and i that was all I was thinking about, my progression. I went from walking to a cane to a walker, as I've talked about before. But I, after I started uh, a different medication that worked really well, uh, and you, you and I met, and we started talking about marriage, I did feel I I got, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I did say I'm back at Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I was 35, I felt incredible. And I didn't have, not that I'm freaked out and thinking about MS all the time, but I would like to feel like I did then. But again, that was, you know, 15 years ago, I was younger or almost 15 years ago, I was younger, and life was different. 
So, but I do think that I, back then I was very, I was happy and, and not to say that I'm not happy now that came out wrong, but it's just back then that that MS was in the trunk and right now he's creeping out a little bit. And and I, you, you bring that up as far as like, you know, when you were 35 and just how different things were and how much better you felt then. And I, I would say that, yeah, as far as me being in control, I really feel that you, when I was running, when I was doing that and, um, I think, you know, running the crim, running, you know, not, not the full 10 miles, but I mean, you're talking five, six miles, um, Mm -hmm. that I was just like borderline unstoppable in my mind. And well, but you know, just in spite of the disease and then you just, I think at what point did things transition to where now the thought of me walking around the neighborhood scares the hell out of me? I mean, just because my feet aren't as limber, because I don't pick up my left foot as much. I mean, we we can do therapy. Yes, I do need to do better, you know, physical therapy doing that. Um, and we try. Um, but at the same time, it's like you're, I'm afraid then you do too much, then you're not going to be able to do anything. Right? And I, that's, that's always a good built-in excuse. Um, now I feel like I'm at the bar talking to you. Well, it's funny because I went to my exercise class today, Mm -hmm. which you are always welcome to attend as well. And they gave exercises and I brought them home and we were sitting, you had finished working and you started to do that exercise, started to do sit to stands. And all I was thinking is don't wear yourself out. We still have. Six more hours left of the evening. You still evening. got a lot of day left. A lot right? of day left, and Jen won't be here. That's my caregiver. Won't be here until the morning. Don't wear yourself out. And I, 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 just being honest, I, I didn't think like that. You know, three you, years you, ago, that wouldn't have even that crossed my mind. You didn't think of that. I mean, just my God, when I was running, get home from work, I'm running four to five miles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the number of times, and I'm not saying like there towards the end when I would fall more often, but I mean, I fell and, you know, come home all bloodied, you know, having, you know, Staley's escorting me home because they found me as I'm walking there. But, you know, we never once flinched and it was never like I shouldn't run because I could get hurt. It's like, we're just like, no, we just, you know, got some stitches. We have a dear friend at church who said, who does not have multiple sclerosis, that it was very common. And at least once a year, she would have a big fall. Just, you know, that's the nature of the running and running outside. And I think, you know, I was just in better shape then and you could do that. Whereas now, and I do think it was when I was going to grad school the first time. um, And it was just like, I, there was so much with homework. I couldn't do the running. I would not, I wasn't able to focus on that. So that's when I was falling more regularly. Um, and so then you just stop and I just think over time. So I think on those levels, you know, I talk about MS being in the front seat. It's almost like it has me driving scared, you know, to where you just, you, you, you don't want to do, which that's no way to do it. I think that's when Cal Ripken baseball player back in the day had the you know streak for starting games 
And there was always the thought, well, do you, are you afraid you're going to get injured? And it's like, he's like, you can't play afraid of being injured because that's when you injure yourself. You've got to just keep hitting it and just keep doing. Um, and I think that's maybe you, the fearlessness of being younger, you know, because you talked about that. Is it fearlessness or stupidity? (laughs) Fearlessness or or carelessness. Okay. I, but, but you know that, and now, now it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 51, you're, I'm, you're 47, right? Um, <laughs> but, but it, but it's just that, that you, now it's just like, you are older, you are more mature and it, you, you can't be as fearless or as careless as you once were. And so, and so from that standpoint, that's where I say, I think that, you know, more often than not, MS can be in the back seat nagging at me, but I just feel like more and more is just kind of up there, you know, trying to direct me on where I where I should go. Is it enough to say that we've made not friends, but MS is a is riding shotgun, and we're okay with that? You know, Ooh. I would rather have it to be riding shotgun be a passenger on the trip than driving and having me locked in the back seat. I control that, that, you know, if I don't, if I don't want you in my car, I would like to kick you out. And certainly I would like to, there are days that I don't want you there, but I'm okay. If you're going to ride along with me, we can make nice and I I like that analogy. Um, you're just to where it's um, a it's kind of like parents saying we don't want you out drinking, but if you want to drink here at home, at least you know <laughs> we can we can keep you under we control. We can accept that. Yeah, I, I no, that's a, that's a a good thing. It's like okay, I realize that, or uh, is it acceptance or just a concession? To where it's like I, oh. I just to where you know you're not invincible that or and is that giving it more control than it should have or is that respecting it? I remember having these memories back to when I was first diagnosed. My very first neurologist told me, and I would never, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking of it, but he told me. I can see this disease being cured in five, ten years. Ah. That's ridiculous. I want my money back. (laughs) But, you know, that was 26 years ago, and it hasn't been cured, and I don't don't want to be negative. I don't think it's probably going to be cured, although AI has done some crazy good stuff, and... And there's a big cruise ship that's the size of an Empire State Building. Um, that that technology things have have been created, so maybe it will be cured. But because it hasn't been cured, I do believe that's why I'm okay with it. Riding shotgun and just being a being a good passenger, buckling his seatbelt and. Driving the speed limit. Yeah, not being like a drunk college kid who's like (laughs) screaming and 
cause you trouble, just kind of riding along with me. Maybe gets a little unruly now and again, but I have medicine and and knowledge, so maybe that is a level of control that I'm I'm I feel more comfortable now than I did back when I was first diagnosed. I like that because it is, it's like, um, definitely when we were first diagnosed, there were three medications. Now there's 26 and we Mm -hmm. say, you know, as far as like, we're, we're definitely research. It's closer to finding a cure. Um, and a cure, a cure would be awesome. And, and we've, we've talked about this before. I think the cure is, is great, but on some levels, I'm somebody who's lived with it for 24, 25 years now. And you're just like, well, how much will a cure help me in the sense of reversing the damage that has already been done? And that's, I, and that, that, that's not throwing up my arms and saying, oh, this is, this is the worst and everything. But at the same time, are those levels of concession where it's just like over over time you you realize where where the strength and the power is and what you can do mm-hmm. what you do have control over and it's just like I can control where I drive the car well and as far as control I can control what I eat I know that a healthy diet is better for me and unlike when I was diagnosed in the late 90s, I know that exercise is good for mm-hmm. me because you probably remember, like I do, when we were first diagnosed, we were warned not to overdo it and don't, right. don't wear yourself out. And, and now there's different positions on the importance of activity. And so those levels of control, I can take my medicine I can eat well, I can get exercise, I can sleep, even though we are... We don't. We're bad about that. It's probably better now that football season's over. (laughs) Yes. But in just saying that, you know, if we were serious, if we were were starting to worsen, we would start sleeping more. Um, We would take that more seriously, but... We're doing the best we can right now. Right. And that that's that's what we can do. And we you know, if you're newly diagnosed, be inspired to know that the two of us have been living with the disease over twenty five years and we didn't have the medicine that you that we have now. Because the medicine that is on the market now is leaps and bounds better. And the support and the knowledge. So, uh, and the, the community. The community is strong and there are so many resources. Absolutely. And so many ways to stay in contact. Well, and I think that's just to where, um, you know, as we talk about where, where the MS is. And it's just like, I don't, I that it's not in the driver's seat dictating and, and orchestrating and calling the, the, the route that we're taking this, this is where I am in control. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. And that's where I'm, I'm glad that I'm at that point. But, um, yeah, it's just that it's creeping its way back up. So, 
with that, thanks for sharing the analogy, Jennifer. I think you say that just stuck with me for all these years and obviously for you. And so everybody out there listening, um, where is MS in your journey right now? Is it driving? Is it in the passenger side, back seat, or have you been able to push it into the trunk? Um, let us know. You can email us at a couple takes on MS at gmail.com or follow us on our blog, coupletakesonms.com, or on Twitter at coupletakesonms. Until next time, we are a couple takes on MS. I'm Dan Digman, and I'm walking. I'm Jennifer Digman, who is rolling. We're a couple takes on MS, and together we're moving forward. Take care. <laughs>